I was in Xinjiang, uh-huh. and each one of these state-of-the-art schools had a, like a half of a wall facing at the front of the class that was a computer. And the teacher's job wasn't as much to teach. The question is, who will buy these products? Higher efficiency, which means less jobs. Then we have more people with less money. Even if you can produce all these wonderful things, mm-hmm. who will buy them? Ford created the first car manufacturing factory in the United States. People were terrified. Did you know Mary Shelley when she wrote Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. Frankenstein was a metaphor for the industrial Welcome revolution. to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason, and with me today is Bebe. Hey, Jason. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Very good. Good. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Careers are safer from obsolescence created by AI. According to new research by Goldman Sachs, three skill sets are most likely to keep you relevant in the age of robots and generative art and text. We're going to discuss expert opinions on the ways you can hedge your career in the fastest changing job market in world history. What do you think about that, baby? Oh, so three skill sets. Let me take a wild guess. The number one occupation skill that popped up in my mind is masseuse people who can give really good massages wow because i don't know like will chat gdp <laughs> i mean it will empower my brain but will it soothe my muscle pains okay and the second occupation i thought of was uh chefs cooks yeah uh people who can make really good food Dude. no have you seen those robots that can make food yeah but mm. they had them in beijing during the winter olympics they had the robots that were making I all know, the food for the athletes churning i don't no, I like a human touch, you know, when things come to that. And also being able to, like, you know, eat something in a restaurant uh, with the human feel to it. We call it the smoke and the talks. Uh, there's a term in, in, in China, just the atmosphere, right? I don't really want to be mm. eating with robots. I'm sorry, mm. Jason. It just does not seem cool. Oh, you don't have to eat with them. They just can prepare the robot, the food for you, and then they can go hide and cry around the corner because and baby I'll doesn't be sitting want to sit there with them. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, okay, firstly, I I have been using a lot of AI, a lot. You know, we got some subscriptions to AI and we have been playing around with it. It can make art, it can do all kinds of really cool stuff. But I want to give you a story that gives context to why, um, before we get into the article by Bloomberg, any of that, mm. um, my wife and I, uh, she, we were making a new logo for the bridge, you know, just experimenting with it. Oh. And we used AI. I don't know the mm. name of the program, but it's a paid for subscription, monthly paid for subscription. And we spent mm-hmm. in about two days and about 10 hours with the two of us human people using the AI to make the ultimate final product. Mm. So even though AI gave us the ability to do something that we couldn't do without AI, which is make a graphic, right? Because we couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. If I was just trying to make a graphic, me with my skill set, it's not going to happen. So even with AI, it still took our human <laughs> judgment and interaction and saying back to it and say, we want it more like this. We want it more like that mm. for two days. So there, even though AI gives us abilities that we don't have without AI, it still takes human interaction with that AI. And I'm reminded when I tell you this story, I'm reminded of in the 1980s when all the concerned adults started buying their children computers. Basically, it's not AI is going to replace you necessarily. It's going to be people who can use AI versus people who can't use AI. Mm, But I think that there are some differences. Um, between, mm-hmm. you know, Go regular ahead. computers and let's say chat GDP. Well, I know as much about AI or the newest uh, products as mm-hmm. much as I guess any average netizen I've heard about it, like heard stories about it. Mm-hmm. But like back to the, the designs you mentioned, were those the ones you sent me before? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the ones I sent you were ones I just downloaded someone else's art that was publicly available mm-hmm. and I just used that. But eventually I realized I don't want someone else's art that someone mm-hmm. else might be using for something else for their like ba- their I don't know, rock bands like post.
store or something. So I made my own mm. with the AI. It designed it. It's not Chat GPT. It's a different program. I see. Right, that, because right. Chat GPT primarily writes words and uh, computer software kind of stuff. But this one was a, a, a generative AI that produces original art. Mm. There are all kinds of different ones you can use. Like there's Open Dolly and stuff, which is free. But we actually have a paid for service and it's a much higher quality. Than well, that. it sounds like your kind of thing, Jason. You like like new adventurous stuff. I personally... I actually don't. No? Oh, you just wanted to get to know about no, it. No, no. Mm. My wife is way into this stuff. She's got every kind <laughs> of it. And when I want to use it, she lets me use her account. Oh, she's like, oh, come over here, Jason. Check out what this can do. <laughs> this is so cool. Well, me and some friends, we had some questions about if it would answer political questions. So we started asking very like sensitive political questions about things going on in the world that are highly controversial. Well, that's... And what we found, found mm. out was that sometimes it seems to take a very hard hard stance on things. Mm. And we were perplexed why it won't defend some kinds of positions. It will only defend others. Mm. And we're wondering if there's human bias written into some of these uh, generative software. Well, I've heard, I have saw, I've seen videos about it. And in one of those videos, they said, like, if you feed like the AI program a question, mm -hmm. the answers can come out differently depending on where you live, mm. uh, depending on other uh, conditions. Mm. Like it would be the same question. I'm not going to give the example mm -hmm. now. Because it's kind of, uh, in a way, right, might offend some people. Sure. But it doesn't give you just one set of answers. Mm -hmm. Depends on where you come from. Yeah. So in way, in this way, we can understand that it does not offer like one set of truth, mm -hmm. which probably hard to uh, come by anyway. Mm -hmm. But there's so much we can talk about when it comes to this whole new generation of AI products. Mm -hmm. And what I was watching some of these uh, videos, uh, by uh, of Sam Altman. Mm -hmm. So he's the CEO of OpenAI. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, the feelings I get from watching these uh, interviews was a few words, uh, worrisome, disturbing. Mm -hmm. And I sense this lack of control, not in like technology, but in a way that I feel like he is not in good control of the potential of his product. Mm -hmm. So basically, as we all know, there will be good impacts, right? There are great things that it can do that humans can't but negative impacts when it comes to negative impacts it can be immense like it can be uh, limitless and he as the owner or founder of the company i don't think he <laughs> he seems very in control of the situation in a way his answers are pretty open which also means uncertain ethics aside there's no way this is going away and no amount of warnings or regulation is gonna this is already out everyone has it there's so many different kinds of it. Mm. Like we're way past the point where it can be put back in the bag. So just like creating like a home PC where everyone has a computer, like there's no way to go back. So it's a matter of utilizing it for positive purposes in, in our, I mean, obviously there are going to be scammers out there that are taking it. Yeah, it's easy, to, it's say. easy to say that it's unethical, but it, it can't be undone. There's no, it's not really. It's easy to say that let's put it to good use, mm -hmm. right? Because people will have different judgments of what's good and bad. Mm -hmm. Like what if, let's say someone with the the capital, the resources to buy the company in the future, like someone that we don't know is someone who is not Sam Altman or somebody just with the money, the ability to buy the company, but he wants to put all these technology to some personal quest with questionable morals. Let's say if his quest is to get rid of like the he or she considers to be access human population so that he or she or the company can enjoy more resources to themselves. This is entirely possible, right? Because capital, they, it doesn't have moral tests. It's got to be human. I know, but it's, we're still not... I mean, I think we need to deal with the reality that it's out yes. and how we're going to use right. it. Because the moral question of whether or not we should use have AI is... It's too late. It's out there. You're listening to The Bridge. 
want to get into what jobs, how to protect yourself, because IBM laid off 6,000 people recently. Uh And those 6,000 people are thought to be able to be replaced by AI. So I think a lot of people are concerned because is your job something we can easily replace? Mm. Is it like so? I mean, actually, I could probably be replaced now. There's generative cloning software that can clone my voice Mm -hmm. and they could have chat GPT write our lines. And in reality, uh, radio show hosts can go out. So this is Bloomberg. You could be talking to IBM, (laughs) like a machine. The machine will probably carry a more informative conversation. With you instead of me. Well, there's all kinds of problems with that, too. And what information? Yeah, there's so many. You're, you're right. There's a lot here to discuss. But just in terms of uh, jobs, uh, IBM to pause hiring for jobs that AI could do. And it says roughly 7,800 IBM jobs could be replaced by AI and automation. And CEO Krishna says IBM to pause hiring for replaceable roles. So I want to just discuss this yeah. one ethical conundrum right here for right now. Because there's so many of them. And I think it's really interesting because I want to go back to the example of making that logo, right? It took two of us, Mm -hmm. two days and AI to do it. So yeah, sure, you could have AI that that makes logos, but you still need humans to use the AI to make logos. Right. Uh, If you found an expert designer, you could probably get it done in like two to three hours. I mean, there will be a bit of back and forth, Mm -hmm. right? Depends on, uh, you know, the service you get. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I saw this information, so this is one company, um, although a big one, hmm. and it's already cutting over nearly 8,000 jobs. Wow. Now, in the interview, one of the interviews I saw with um, uh, Sam Altman, mm-hmm. he said that, you know, it's better for us to let uh, the AI product now into the mm-hmm. hands of the public. Uh, you know, people can get to know about mm-hmm. it and learn how to use it while the stakes are low. Mm-hmm. I think he repeated that a few times, while the stakes are mm-hmm. low. So this the 7,800 jobs... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from one company, that's when the stakes are low, Jason. Yeah, that's not even the worst part of AI. If you want to talk about, I don't want to talk about all the things related to, AI has already stolen $10 billion from American mm. like elderly people. There's so much that AI can do that it's overwhelming. But just in terms of jobs alone, what kind of jobs can we envision that are protected if you want to insulate yourself? What kind of skill sets can be used? Masseuse. Masseuse, you're right. I think for now, for now, not in two or three years, I think it's going to be gone (laughs) because you have Tesla's making robots with fingers. Yeah. You know, like maybe it's different. Mm -hmm. It's it's different. I, I have. I actually bought a, a few uh, machines, whatever you call it, that gives you massages. Mm-hmm. And they're like this, these whole beds and chairs mm. that can give you massages. But they're mm-hmm. different, right? Yeah. And also, I guess, therapists, mm-hmm. people who have issues they need to talk. And also, like, uh, parenting. <laughs> can we, like, just give our kids to a robot nursery? They and have they'll come out perfect human They have AI <laughs> teaching classes. I was in Xinjiang, uh-huh. and we went into a very very state-of-the-art uh, school and each one of these state-of-the-art schools had a, a like a half of a wall and facing at the front of the class that was a computer mm-hmm. and the teacher's job wasn't as much to teach as it was to facilitate the computer giving lectures and interacting with the students itself mm-hmm. this was a state-of-the-art school built for some of the poorest students in near Hotan or what is known in Chinese okay. Hutian mm-hmm. and Anhui province had sent tons of money to build this super state-of-the-art school to give all of these uh, children who lived in, you know, desert-like conditions Mm. who were being raised out of poverty. And the idea was to give them access to higher degrees of technology, interactive computers. And so, yeah, AI is, in fact, starting to replace even teachers. Right. I actually, in one of those interviews, uh, Sam Altman talked about that um, because he can offer so much more information. Mm. But then I was like, okay, so, and he was like, not all the teachers were happy with the experiments, mm. uh, but some were very happy about what this was able to do. So I was like, yeah, you're basically 
showing the teachers that they're not needed <laughs> as much anymore. I mean, like, you know what, for the ones they, who are not happy. You know what? Each one of these rooms still mm-hmm. had a human teacher who was facilitating well, the AI interacting and the computer and the videos interacting with the students. Yeah, more like just in control of the situation, I suppose. Mm. And also when it comes to education, like, would I want my child to be educated by AI? Because I feel like, you know, what, what I was really mm. thinking about when I was thinking about this whole thing is not on the level of just say technology or how much information. I was thinking about the main challenges we face as humanity. Yeah. You know, what are true challenges? Mm-hmm. It, in this day and age, I don't think our true challenges are low efficiency anymore. Mm-hmm. I think our problem is not that, oh, we can't not produce enough or we cannot mm-hmm. produce efficiently. Uh, you hear more about how to sell, yeah. right? You hear the word surplus mm-hmm. more than deficiencies. Mm-hmm. People need money, but you know, they need money to sell things. Mm-hmm. What's lacking and the surplus is not just in material things. Mm-hmm. It's also in labor. Yeah. You know, all these layoffs, people, unemployment mm. uh, rate, it's surplus labor. The question is, who will buy these products? Because we keep talking about increasing efficiency. Mm-hmm. Let's, okay, if we go d- down that path, right? Mm-hmm. Higher efficiency, which means less jobs and let more people making less, lower wages, then we have more people with less money. Even if you can produce all these wonderful things, mm-hmm. who will buy them? Not as many people will afford, be able to afford to buy them. Mm-hmm. There will be less and less power to consume. You know what I mean? It's like back to the Great Depression. You have all these products. People don't have money to buy them. I mean, I understand what you're saying. People said this about factories. When Ford created the first car manufacturing factory in the United States, people were terrified. Did you know Mary Shelley when she wrote Frankenstein? Mm. Frankenstein was a metaphor for the Industrial Revolution. So a lot of people were afraid of factories replacing artisans. And then later, people in the 1970s and 80s were terrified of computers replacing people. And I think we're having that kind of disruption again. But each time these things have happened, the economic situation has changed, but people have always been relevant. People, human beings have always found... The speed of the change. Yeah, I know. They said that too. They They said the speed of the change in those times too. I think we'll just find new roles in society and we won't have to do the same kind of like consider data entry. Mm -hmm. You know, our friend Morris, who's been on the show a few times, the company that he previously worked for replaced data entry with AI. That's what he did. He went around in Asia and sold to banks and things Mm. AI that would replace data entry. So there were like thousands and thousands of people who their jobs were gone because AI can automatically fill it. So you walk into a bank, you say, my name is my name is Jason Smith and here's my ID. And now, okay, the computer has already filled out my name in every contract that kind of bank has. And so you say, okay, Mm -hmm. I want this kind of contract for whatever. And you just pull it up. It's prints. It's done. All you have to do is sign. There's not a need for someone to do data entry and to write Jason Smith and all my social security, all that stuff. It does. It's automatic now. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of useless kinds of jobs that where someone's sitting under a UV light or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. and punching and numbers into a computer, we can get rid of that. In one of the articles you shared, uh, I think it was BBC.com. It says AI. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, could replace equi- equivalent of 300 million jobs. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Probably. Quite frankly. Now, yeah. in the interviews I watched and in all these articles, they all say that new jobs will be created somehow and there will be a productivity boom. I do believe that there will be new jobs because, I mean, even the AI industry, right, needs new employees. Mm-hmm. The number, I guess, the number of jobs that can be created in this industry is limited, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And also it has such a higher requirement of entry than, let's say, other jobs like data entry. And oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. So, for example, if you, if, OK, to learn how to use a computer in the 1980s and 90s when this was coming out, mm. took, you know, tens of hours of training. You're going to trainings all the time for a few weeks or months for new for especially for older people trying to learn new technology, you know, but now AI is so interactive and so sophisticated. I have to say you could have a very basic education like middle school or high school to interact with AI to get it kind of like doing whatever you want. The bar for entry into being able to interact with AI is actually quite low. 
You say, make me a picture. I'm not saying how to interact with, with AI, but getting involved in the technology of uh, like improving AI, like the AI industry. Well, yeah. And also sure, coding it. But there's a lot of money to be made using it. Yes, yeah, I understand that. But here's the question I wanted to ask when I saw this article. If AI could replace the equivalent of 300 million jobs, what other jobs will be able to create, let's say, just 300 million jobs to replace these? Will they be able to replace as much? Will they be able to sustain the living standard, the income that the previous previous jobs offered? I mean, like in the interviews I watched, no one gave any specific names, positions of the jobs that could be created by the AI. Okay, so for example, what you're talking about, let's go back to the Industrial Revolution metaphor again or analogy. It's not that the factory who replaces 300 people with 50 people uh, is going to provide 250 more jobs. No, the economy will have to grow new completely different, unrelated kinds of 250 jobs to replace the original 250 artisans that that factory displaced. But look at look at what ha was happening. There weren't restaurants everywhere or McDonald's and all that kind of stuff, industrial revolution. But the service economy for advanced and post-industrial economies that emerged, emerged as a direct result of people needing jobs. So all of those kinds of new jobs that appeared in, in post-industrial e economies, appeared and were able to exist and you're able to go and almost everyone in in a post-industrial society is able to go to a restaurant and eat food made by you know a chef or, or, or at least a cook because those people aren't working like mundane jobs in a coal mine or at a factory and a lot of more automation is taking care of some of those facets or some degree of robotics mm. so it's not that ai is going to provide the solution to the jobs that AI is taking away. It's that the greater economy will have to find 300 million new jobs. And I think that, you know, people are creative and with AI. Why do I feel like that maybe AI will solve some problems for us, but it's creating a lot more too. Mm -hmm. And it's probably creating harder problems for the whole society. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I think one of the main problems humanity faces, for example, inequality. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, uh, it's not like we don't have enough resources. All this talk about productivity and and producing more things, it's not like we don't have enough things. Mm. It's that the distribution of it is all messed up, right? You have people who are super, super, super rich. Like they will have money, I don't know, to last forever. Mm -hmm. But there are other people who are jobless, who want jobs, mm -hmm. but can't find jobs. That's a problem that we have right in front of us. And we, frankly, we don't have a lot of uh, solutions. There are a lot of people um, on a social, what do you call a social benefit? Mm -hmm. Or yeah. like people who are getting- That is a solution. What do, what do you, uh, there's an idea being proposed, and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I think it's in the same the same realm of giving people social benefits. So people are getting they're considering paying universal pay to all Americans, for example, everyone everywhere who is between certain ages and, you know, has certain qualifications. So basically, you're a human citizen above 18 and under retirement age. You would just get an automatic check every month, whether you have a job or not which would be the kind of basic living wage that it would be required to just exist as a human being. And if you wanted to make more money than that, then you would find a job in the economy somehow. Now, obviously, this hasn't happened, but this is something that's being discussed. I think it has already happened to a certain extent, because the interesting thing in the US is that while you have a lot of people who are on social benefit, we're you know, taking money from social benefits, um, and there are also <laughs> job openings that can't be filled. So it means that there are extra labor, but they're not willing to work or they are not finding things that they're, mm -hmm. you know, interested enough to be able to do. They'd rather just stay home and get the so social benefit. Wouldn't it be a great society, Bebe, if robots did everything for us? Why don't, why don't we just die? <laughs> what's the point of living? Literally, like, what's the point of living if you let everything, everybody else do it for you? You will be happy, Jason. No, no, no. You will be happy in a day, in a week, maybe for a month, and then you will get bored. I don't think you know and me very problem, well. <laughs> 
No, I would be so happy <laughs> because you will have other problems. You will have other problems. And the point, you know, the the thing about unemployment, high unemployment rate, is not just that uh, amount of people don't have income. Mm-hmm. It's that you have unstable population. Well, not if robots you, are doing everything when you don't, for us. No, it's not about that. It's it's when people don't have things to do, they will create problems. They will create social unrest. Oh, we create robots to deal with those people. <laughs> What, how do you deal with those people when you have things to eat and then you have nothing to do when you have this idle population in the society and that's like time bomb because humans they're even lazy people they, they were not going to be staying home on the couch watching tv 24 7 that's not going to happen you're listening to the bridge Let's return from the dystopian utopia that we we disagree about and go back to normal reality. So what's interesting is that mm-hmm. artificial intelligence could replace the equivalent of 300 million jobs, according to Goldman Sachs. And, you know, there could be more, could be less. Uh, so I want to move on to another article. OK, BBC uh, work life article, uh, May 9th, 2023. The jobs AI won't take. I like this yet because Bebe's got the doomsday hat on. Mm-hmm. So I think the yet is going to scare her. A little bit. But, you know, so it talks about the kind of jobs that are currently still safe from AI. And so Mm -hmm. AI is Mm -hmm. capable of content generation and could do a quarter of all work currently done by humans. That's a lot more than 300 million, by the way. So a quarter of all work being done by human. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I mean, we're on our way to this uh, dystopia that you're talking about or utopia. If it's your Jason, depends on who you are. Uh, So it it doesn't mean so some jobs that are creative are safe. So it means the real, true creativity. So one of the things, and a lot of people may not know this, is that AI is using the existing art. So, for example, visual art developing AI. It uses the existing catalog of art that it has access to. Even artists' work who are completely copywritten are sucked up by the AI. So when you ask it, I want a caterpillar that is like a sound wave that, you know, okay, whatever picture you're imagining, right? Mm. And it, it generates different options for you. And it's does this really well it's drawing on the existing of forms of art that it, that are right. real in the population that completely have been made by new. humans already right. it doesn't make something completely out of nothing right so if your job is like a an actual artist and you're producing art that has not been made new truly creative forms of art then ai can't replace you so if you if you're going to go into moma the museum of modern art in new york or san francisco or wherever those new pieces can not have been made by AI because they are completely beyond the scope of currently existing art. And so this is a a form of work that cannot be replaced by AI now. They actually look a lot like works by kindergartners. (laughs) Which ones? No, a lot of the modern artwork I see, they have the creativity of, you know, like young children. I'm not saying this as, um, you know, Mm -hmm. an unpleasant comment. I'm just saying that's my personal impression. Mm -hmm. They're maybe not following. Well, I mean, Jean-Michel Basquiat's work definitely is exactly what you're talking about. A lot of his stuff looks like it's a crayon. Yeah, yeah. but sorry. <laughs> I'm not. So, no, no, that's okay. That's your, and also, your, your take on it. And also, this reminds me of something. I remember uh, reading somewhere that, you know, back in the days when in ancient times in China, when most people were farmers, mm-hmm. uh, it said it took a huge number of farmers mm-hmm. to support one uh, like intellectual. Like, I think the number sure, was sure. what thousands yeah, yeah. or even tens of thousands to be able to really it, it was a pretty big number it's well, it was hungry like, smart guy <laughs> no it's like it's, it's about surplus yeah. right because yeah, the farmers yeah. have to make enough to mm-hmm. you know to pay his tax and for to feed his family and then the the bit of lex, leftover uh surplus value mm-hmm. he can plow into education and then to support someone who does not do farm work i mean this mm-hmm. was back in the days right yeah 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 so same thing this kind of creativity work you're talking talking about Mm -hmm. that's probably you'll have one person out of 10 like a million Mm. maybe someone who who can do that think about the really famous artists Mm -hmm. what about 
the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of these kinds of issues, the question in my mind is, what about most people? What about the masses? What about the consumers? Right? When you invent something like this, you can, because, you know, in some of the articles, it will, it will say that, oh, this will save such and such amount of money for the company. Let me find this. In one of the articles I found, it says mm -hmm. they calculated that the company will be able to save something like two billion a year. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is Arm Monk, a New York-based mm -hmm. IBM. Sure. Topped profit estimates in its most recent quarter due to expense management, including the earlier announced job cuts. New productivity and efficiency steps are expect are expected to drive two billion dollars a year in savings by the end of mm -hmm. 2024, according to their chief mm -hmm. financial officer. Now, my question is: two billion dollars in savings for whom? Mm -hmm. And that's a question we have to ask. Well, you hear the terms, when you hear the words, oh, the company will be save, be able to save so many billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But for whom? These money are from, when, when they talk about expense management, okay, that's a very nice, these are very nice words for cuts and in expenses, including mm -hmm. cuts and in benefits for employees mm -hmm. and including cuts for jobs, yeah. just totally. Yeah. And I don't know other corners they can cut. For example, maintaining train tracks, right? When it comes to train companies, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And so this $2 billion saved a year, they go to the, I guess, I'm supposing, the owners of the company, the shareholders of the company. What do the owners of the companies do with it? They spend it and you they think? get more jobs. Well, then now, why okay. do we have all these investments rolling on the in the market? We're creating new kinds of industry. And will that be able to impact most people, right? I understand your concern completely. I really do. I also see historical precedents in market mm. disruption, and I feel like new kinds of industry will emerge. But let's move on to the second insulated category. And that is, and this is what you said at the beginning of the show, jobs mm. that require sophisticated interpersonal relationships like nurses, business consultants, mm. investigative mm. journalists, and you mentioned therapists. Mm. And maybe well, lots of people are going to need therapists based on the <laughs> dystopia that Bebe believes is Based being on created. the way <laughs> things are going. <laughs> yeah. and humans need a human touch. You know, even yeah. people who are like hermits <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, even Bebe has friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Dunhuang, a place born in legends. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe to the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Why We Love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Listening to the bridge. Let's move on. I do see your point. I think you're right. Uh, there's a big concern. Are there other concerns too besides the jobs that we're erasing, mm -hmm. like you know uh, scams, for example, which are happening with voice cloning software? But the third safe zone mm -hmm. are job quote are jobs that really require lots of mobility and dexterity and problem solving ability in unpredictable environments. So they talk about trade jobs. Wait, say that again. 
nobility and dexterity. Okay, I'll read it again. Okay. So this is, it okay. means electricians, plumbers, welders, that kind of stuff. So, okay, you want a carpenter to come and fix your wall. Uh, you need a mm. person who has a physic, who can hold the board and the nails and really understand, not just like see the problem like through mm. general, but you know, actually manipulate objects and things of different tent materials. So mm. if you want to have someone come and fix your toilet, you probably don't want a robot. You want a human being who's done this before. Right. So electricians, plumbers, welders, carpenters, these kinds of jobs are jobs that, quote, require lots of mobility, dexterity, and problem solving ability in an unpredictable environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't just have a robot. You know, you see those robots in the mall in China everywhere, right? All they can really do is mop the floor and tell you where the restaurant is. There's not a lot of, <laughs> right now anyway, they can't do a lot beyond that. Jason is like, hey, you're not a lot of fun. <laughs> you're, I know you can clean. I, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I, exactly. I was I was marveling at this robot that I saw in a hotel in Shanghai a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And it, it moved around me and said, ting rong yi rong, in this cute little like <laughs> childish voice. And then it moved around me and it went to someone's room and that's delivered funny. some food to them. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is like Star Wars. This is the future. Uh, but I mean, re the reality is all someone did, a human being put the food inside of it and it went to their room. Right. It's not really at the point where it's going to replace a, a concierge <laughs> or something, you know? Huh. I think sometimes I think they got it just for the fun of it, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it's super cute. And the people are going to be like, tell their friends, oh, what hotel was that? And they're going to say the name of it, which I'm not doing here, right? But Jason, you know, they are they are cute because they've made them cute. Like the ones in, yeah. in banks, yeah. you know, these robots in banks, they are pretty cute and they can like, chat with you just like a cute little human being. Hmm. But the thing is, what if someone made it into a like nasty monster? <laughs> you, know, you, you open your hotel door and there is a crazy... That's so cool. We're going to have super villains with oh, robots gosh. that attack us. This is exciting. Oh. So my point is, they don't all have to be cute. Yes. They could be anything once you yeah. once they have that power. And also, uh, I don't know how much time we have, but... Oh, we have lots of time right I now. have an... We have, I have uh, a crucial More about Bebe's future dystopia. <laughs> These are things we should think about, right? Because yeah, it's such right, an open-ended right, right. question. No one have definitive yeah. answers. So mm -hmm. what if... I've ha always had this question. What if AI or, you know, other kinds of robots have consciousness? How far away... Oh, gosh. That's a whole other episode we got to do. Right. <laughs> How so far away are they from having consciousness? I'm asking this mm -hmm. again because just mm -hmm. the other day I saw this... Um, uh, interview. I think he's a biologist. Like he, he's into genomes, like mm -hmm. sequencing human genes mm -hmm. and things like that. So he was asked the question, mm -hmm. how did consciousness come about, you know, in humans and other mm -hmm. creatures? Now, so far, there's no, we have no answer to that. I don't think even Buddha has answer to that. But he, one thing he mentioned is that when the organism, when things in, let's say the human brain got complicated enough, maybe not in the human brain, but like back in the days in you know, when there were organisms, when the system got complicated enough, when there are complex associations between, I guess you can call them neurons or other points of contact, and then somehow consciousness emerged. It emerged because the system was complex enough. Now, I know so far, I've heard rumors that some robots already have consciousness, but that's not certain. But someday, let's say in the future, when their system gets complicated enough, will they want day have consciousness and when that happens geez you know <laughs> i wonder how we are going to be wiped off the planet <laughs> because we have not been the nicest creatures <laughs> on the planet <laughs> i think if we're going to do a whole show on when or will that happen that's a whole other right. topic it's, just and it's one that is is very concerning to a lot of people including mm. elon musk and and others but can i give you another example which is more i think relevant that a lot of people overlook sure. in this debate it's not actually because the reality of uh, AI becoming uh, self-aware is probably still very far off. But there is a greater threat in terms of wiping out all humanity that AI offers. So say you have a very powerful AI that has very powerful ac access to robots and is, is self relatively independent. A more realistic threat to humanity is you say, you know, someone makes a mistake in how they talk to AI, mm. unconscious AI, not conscious yet AI, not you know, strong consciousness. You say, I would like you to make as many paper clips 
as you possibly can in the most efficient way possible. So then the robot starts harvesting all the metal Mm. in the entire world, Mm. you know, uses all resources, just no matter who gets in its way and begins making, you know, 17 quadrillion paperclips. And at the end of this, we're all wiped out because we were in the way of its paperclip goal. Because of a wrong question asked. It's more likely that some terrible mistake with AI will happen before it becomes conscious. Because consciousness and machine is really, really far away. And even though there are people very actively trying to create uh, artificial intelligence that Mm. is self-aware, you know, like a lot of people think that we should not be doing that. But at the same time, there are institutions all over the world Mm -hmm. actively trying to do that. But I think Mm. more immediate concerns are, are we going to be employed for the next few years? So I have an article here that goes to what I hope to make the point about. Mm -hmm. If you really are concerned about your job, being displaced by AI. And we're not talking about an economic future where no one has jobs and we're not talking about machines that can uh, that want to wipe us out. This is a, a new article that just came out a couple days ago. Uh, Sophia Epstein wrote, AI optimism, how embracing artificial intelligence is getting workers ahead. So let's say you're a manager in an office and you have Let's just say you have 10 employees, five of them jump on the AI bandwagon and their productivity increases and five of them don't. And they just do things the old way. Mm-hmm. The people who are you are most likely to cut are the people who are not embracing AI. So my own personal recommendation after having read this article is mm. jump on the bandwagon, you know, get some get one or two simple subscriptions, because if you're doing complex work, you can have it help you. Now, Bebe points out some really good things about like AI not really knowing the answers to things. So here's a piece of advice. And this is based on a real question asked to chat GPT. And I've done, I've replicated mm. this. If you just say, make up a name like, hey, chat GPT, can you tell me uh, the life story of Sir John uh, Jacques and Montague, someone who doesn't exist, it will actually make it up. It'll tell you about this famous person when they lived and it will make up an entire story about them. Mm. So kids, Kids in high school, they're having their AI write their answers for them sometimes. For example, mm. one of the things that's happening is they're bringing in things because they misspelled the person's name mm. that are just completely fabricated. Mm. So what does AI need? It needs a handler, just like a computer needs a handler. So if you are that person embracing AI and using it and using, you know, you're actually checking its answers and using it well, mm. then you become invaluable in your workforce. If imagine they're cutting the people who they don't need because they need AI. If you're one of the people that is using AI, your job becomes more secure than your colleagues who are not using right. AI. I guess um, I guess uh, when I think about issues like this, I'm not really thinking from my own like personal perspective. Like how do mm-hmm. uh, how sh- will I be able to stay in the uh, in the workforce? I actually n- never thought about this on this level. Mm. I'm thinking about like for the the example you just give, I would think about. What will the five employees who will be fired do with their lives? Mm-hmm. How will the society take care of uh, millions of such five employees? Mm-hmm. And because that will, in turn, impact everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right? The fact that millions of people will lose their jobs will have huge impact on mm-hmm. uh, how most people live their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, how will the government deal mm-hmm. with these problems? So I'm thinking more mm-hmm. about the impact uh, on the overall level because I think you know for humans. We are smart enough, pretty smart Mm -hmm. already, but we're at a point where we Mm -hmm. are losing balance somewhat. Like Mm -hmm. what we need is more wisdom, which is like, you know, rise in our level of consciousness uh, to jump out of the boxes of of, of our thinking. Right. And um, to rise above our problems, to solve our problems. Like we have a lot of information is how can we use it to the benefit of of everybody instead of just a few? Uh, I think that's more of the problem. I'm more concerned with. Mm -hmm. In other words, I think I'm more worried about the balance of things rather than just whether or not things are good Mm -hmm. and bad, because it's when we have a balance that we become, we as a a whole can sustain a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But I I do appreciate the fact that, you know, we're looking into what are some of the safer careers. Yeah. Um, And but when you 
talk about these, I feel like someday they will be replaced mm, too. Possibly. You know, we will have smart robots to to do all of these things. Mm. And then what will we do? All lie on the beach? <laughs> uh, you know, living off social on the benefits? The, the it's way better by the pool. Right. So <laughs> maybe, but then there will be millions by the pool. Robots will make right? more How pools. are you going to do that? Well, we need more physical space. So it'll be layers like, you know, parking lots, layers of pools for jobless people with pensions to, 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 to just chill. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we're not close to this uh, yet. So, mm. you know, another thing we could do is ask AI. You know, I want to ask AI, how do we solve the problem of all the plastic in the ocean? Does AI have a solution for that? How to decompose plastic? We did a show uh, about a year ago about there's fungi in Yunnan that can eat plastic and produce mm. biodegradable soil. So maybe AI can take a deeper look at why it hasn't rolled out, you know, and like Hel- fix whatever things are holding scientists back. Maybe AI can help us can solve you, the problem of too much plastic. Can you do me a favor? Like you have whatever software you have. Yeah. Can you ask your AI, sure. how hmm. can we deal with hair loss? <laughs> I'm serious. This well, is maybe. one of the problems that humans have not. Well, I mean, I would love to know the answer to that question, baby. But I think a lot of the <laughs> well, the reality <laughs> of that incident. particular question and man, mm-hmm. we've gone way. I guess this is such a big topic. But, you know, a lot of biological problems that people have are genetic and genetics can't usually be fixed after you have been formed. So if you want to solve baldness, you can <laughs> maybe solve it for unborn people in the future. But you might not be able to. S- yeah, you could tweak, tweak genes, genes, which is illegal in many countries. And so, yeah, exactly. Making super be. people yeah. who are seven feet tall and have super strength and super intelligence and stuff is illegal. And way too much hair. And way too much hair. But like, <laughs> unfortunately, Jason's not going to get his hair back probably by asking AI. So I'm embarrassed to ask because yeah. it'll probably just be like, ha 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 ha, Bali. <laughs> and no, you just tell me a friend of mine asks this question. Uh, well, you know, um, I th- but no, I'm just saying that some of the questions that are stuck in my mind, you know, they are, you know, how do we deal with all the surpluses, right? Mm-hmm. How do we deal with inequality? Mm-hmm. How do we deal with environmental problems like natural disasters? Can mm-hmm. AI help us to deal with yeah. natural disasters? How do you deal probably with can, yeah. aging population and shrinking population, right? These are... We could probably ask AI those kinds of things. They're, because AI takes facilitating by human beings, you're asking great questions. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there increasingly having access to great answers. Now, here's the problem. This is why Google is in danger and a lot of other search engines like being yeah. are in danger. Yeah, this is a reality is people are doing less Google searches because instead of going from website to website, reading information that has been produced by dubious sources, AI does, even though it has all these problems, it does actually give Mm -hmm. good answers, very thorough answers. And so people who want to know the answers to questions, Mm -hmm. let's say you're in uh, a very poor part of America. Uh, I don't want to name names like I have in the past sometimes, but you're in a very poor part of, of your teacher's not very mm-hmm. good or whatever. You can just go on to a an AI. I'm not I don't want to keep plugging chat GPT because there's a bunch of other AI out there as well. And you can ask it questions and it will give you mm-hmm. mostly correct answers. And so human beings, leaders and future mm-hmm. leaders, you know, students and just regular people are able to all over the world in different languages ask AI questions. Okay, say you're a farmer, you're in Zimbabwe, you are growing corn or whatever it is, and you want to be able to grow it more efficiently. Mm. You don't have to wait for some international scientist to come and give you a couple tips. You can go on AI and ask it how to do it more efficiently. Maybe one or two of the things you learn there help you grow and have better yields. You know, you have better yields of corn. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of problems that are able to be solved by AI and that can contribute to a world with more surplus value and where we are able to solve problems like degrees of inequality. I don't think we're going to go to a fully equal society anytime soon. There's too much greed, but Mm -hmm. we can solve some of the problems that exist in the world today because AI is a new tool for us. But the question 
I'm going to ask is, Jason, will we have answers? Will we be able to implement? Mm. Because do we not know how to solve the problem of inequality? Mm. It's not that we don't know the answer. It's not that we don't know the way. And I think for a lot of the challenges we face as a human race, the problem is not knowing too little. Is that we can't do the things we're supposed to do to solve the problems. Do we not know how to make the environment better? We know. Use less things. Use less plastic. Control our greed, right? Do we not know how to solve the problem of inequality? Yes. Maybe higher taxes for people who have lots of surpluses. See, this is actually you. You point something interesting out. You say we know, mm. and I'm. I have my opinion, and you have your opinion. Our opinions are actually quite similar, but there are a lot of people who completely disagree with us. So when we say we know how to solve certain kinds of problems, I would say as a society we don't know because there's so much debate and so many people who are greedy who are stopping other people. Maybe with a better education, a society might have a better understanding of how to synthesize different ideas in a way that can alleviate these complex problems. Because it's not just as simple as you and me want to raise taxes and distribute wealth more evenly. It's a problem of there are other people who don't want to do that. And they're convincing the people who don't know what to do that we're wrong and that we can't do it that way. So maybe more educated population that gets their information from a more uh, a source like ChatGPT or something like that mm -hmm. would be more willing to take the necessary steps to create a more prosperous society. I guess I guess my uh, question is, it's not so much about answers, but more about implementation. Mm. How will be able, even let's say you have a perfect answer that will help the problem. All theories and everything proved to that it will work. Will we be mm. able to implement? Sure. That's the question. It's easy. It's actually rather easy to have answers, but will we be able to do it? Mm -hmm. Will we be able to put things in action and actually complete it, mm -hmm. you know, to, to follow through, you know, who is going to help us when it comes to that? While I agree with you, I actually don't, I'm not as optimistic about the education levels of the general population of the world. I think that this tool, this new tool, like any other tool, like the computer or like the book, whatever kind of technology we're talking about, needs to reach more people. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who don't have access to the same level of education that you and I and a lot of our listeners mm. do have access to. I meet people. Okay, I saw this TikTok right. video and this surprised me. And I, I guess it shouldn't have surprised me. And I want to talk about this just for a moment. Someone went around in America and interviewed about 20 people and asked them to name three cities in China. No one they interviewed could do it. Mm. Not even Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, something like this. So simple, right? No one could name three cities in China. What do you mean? And, that doesn't make sense. Uh, do they ask yeah, foreigners it, or Chinese people? American people. Oh, Ameri so in America. Yes, oh, we're talking about in America. Okay, okay. 20 Americans were asked just randomly on the street, name three cities in China. Not one person could do it. Mm. So, you know, we have these really nuanced discussions about, oh, do you like Wuhan or Chengdu or whatever? And most people don't even know what Wuhan or Chengdu are. But Jason, so, like, here's the question. I, I don't think I'm finished. Let, let me let me finish. Because my point is, this is just one thing that I before I moved to China, I didn't know a lot of this stuff, too. I'd never heard of Qingdao before I came to China. Honestly, mm. 2011, I didn't know there was a place called Qingdao. Mm -hmm. Now I take it for granted that that's obvious knowledge. A lot of the things that we take for granted as obvious knowledge when you become a really educated person, you don't realize that there's still 90% of the people out there in the world generally who haven't had the benefits of such a great education that are not, did not attend a university. Mm -hmm. And maybe chat GPT is a way to even the field and give us more access to knowledge that will help everyone. I understand. But also let me ask you, um, for the people who are interviewed, if they wanted to ask that question themselves, <laughs> they could have found the answer mm. anywhere. They don't need mm. new AI products to, to name three cities in any country. They can just mm. find a book, go online. So is it the problem that we didn't have enough advanced technology or that people are not interested in asking certain questions? Mm -hmm. they, they lack the quest for newer knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, not for little kids who, you know, they, they're here to learn, but for adults who have choices. Would they rather just sit on their sofas and watch TV? Then let's say mm. I'm going to ask at GTP about 30 cities uh, in, in in China. Mm -hmm. If they were interested, they would have done that decades mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I, I totally understand that it will help maybe raise the education uh, levels and area of coverage for a certain 
section of the population, but it's not going to be like, you know, all of a sudden, a lot of more people will be more educated mm -hmm. because maybe right. what's needed is taking actions to actually find have questions and find out answers. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, another thing, I mean, I agree with you. You're right. Now, also, the educational tools like cell phones are only just now reaching every corner of the earth. You know, it was only 10 years ago, 500 million less people mm -hmm. had cell phones who could actually have any kind of computer whatsoever and ask even Google or Bing or Baidu any kind of questions about anything in the world whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So while, while you're right, chat GPT isn't changing that or, or like any kind of AI platform that's out there isn't going to change the field as dramatically as having access to a cell phone in and of itself and being able to ask the internet any kind of questions because you suddenly have a library in your hand. Mm. It's certainly going to add something. We are out of time. Any last thoughts from Bebe? No, it's just all of I do have questions, but they are all pretty big questions. I think we, mm. you know, who will be the boss, for example, mm. when AI technology becomes more and more advanced, mm. right? Who will who who will be giving directions? Mm -hmm. That's one question. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think we should keep in mind our main challenges. We have lofty goals, you know, like going to, to Mars, going to the moon and have Mm -hmm. robotics that could literally do everything mm. but we should also stay grounded on you know solving the real problems we we have more in front of us you know things like unemployment inequality environmental issues and how to redistribute resources so that more people can benefit because i think ai can do wonderful things but if it can't mm -hmm. help the people who really need them who are getting the benefit from mm -hmm. the raised activity right all those savings yeah for whom? I think that's a question. I think it's a great question. Thank you so much, Bebe, for your time. Thank you. Listeners, if you have any uh, ideas you want to share with us, you think that we missed, please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye-bye, Bebe. Yeah, that was fun, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. All right, bye.